The e-resource of this episode is Financial Ratings Series Online. With Financial Ratings Series Online, you'll find independent financial ratings and consumer guides for stocks, banks, insurance companies, and more from Weiss Ratings. You can find Financial Ratings Series Online under the topic Personal Finance in the research section of our website. Yeah, it's pretty much uh, like it's the it's the author quote unquote um, interviewing people and having them what was life before the apocalypse mm-hmm. uh, and then like he was interviewing a soldier during the uh, the zombie apocalypse and then interviewing people and how they've adapted to this world that now has this new uh, and changed uh, outlook Joko library uncovered hey everybody and hey Charles Ch- Charles hey w- w- what the heck um my apologies to everyone. Uh, it looks like Charles couldn't make it today. Dave. But I... Dave. What? I'm here. Dave. Charles, what? Where are you? I'm down in the bunker. I didn't even know the Blue Stem Conference Room had a bunker. Of, of course you didn't. But uh, I'm guessing you don't even know what month it is. No, it's September. Yeah, but also... Hang on. Let me, let me just come up there. Okay, uh, it is National Preparedness Month, which is an, an observance each September to raise awareness about the importance of preparing for disasters and emergencies that could happen at any time. Ah, I get it. And by the way, the official National Preparedness Month website is ready.gov. So the Federal Emergency Management Agency... FEMA, and the American Red Cross collaborated to produce a 14-page booklet entitled Preparing for Disaster. Mm. Uh, The link will be in our show notes, and uh, we're not going to go through the entire document. But they ask this very important question, where will you or your family be when a disaster strikes? That's right. And they suggest following these four steps. Number one, get informed. By the way, a plug for a tremendous Johnson County service that might just save your life. Notify JOCO. So you can stay informed about emergencies, sign up for messages from Johnson County, the cities in Johnson County, and participating public utilities. Registering is as easy as entering notifyjoco.org into your web browser. It's very important. And step two, make a plan. Number three, assemble a kit. Four, maintain your plan and your kit. And if something major does go down, you're going to want to have a good book to read in that preparedness (laughs) kit. And that's how we transition into welcoming back Greg Windsor and his friends as they take a deep dive into post-apocalyptic fiction. And this is a subgenre of science fiction where some disaster has occurred and we discover if those characters are or were prepared. But first, something a little bit lighter. Library News. Greg, welcome back. Charles, thank you so much for having me. 
Well, it looks like it's time for another collection deep dive. So why don't you introduce your guests and our topic for today? Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, again, thank you for, for having us. I am with uh, two of my colleagues at the library. Let's go ahead and go around the table for introductions. Hi, I am Alice, and I am a circulation clerk at Gardner, Edgerton, and Spring Hill. My name is Grant. I'm also a clerk over at the Gardner, Spring Hill, and Edgerton Libraries. Well, Grant and Alice, thank you both so much for joining us here today. The topic of today's collection, Deep Dive, is going to be post-apocalyptic stories. And for a list of everything that we're going to talk about today, you can find those on our website at jocolibrary.org slash uncovered. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today uh, for our collection, Deep Dives. But before we get into the topic of uh, post-apocalyptic stories, Grant, why don't you tell us a little bit about what draws you to the genre? So something I've always enjoyed about post-apocalyptic scenarios is that it's something that's been present throughout history. Uh, Everyone's always had this fear of what the future holds. as anyone might know from the 1960s to onward, nuclear war was kind of like the popular mm-hmm. pick. Yeah. Um, climate change is now kind of coming in vogue. Mm-hmm. So it's like whatever the, the zeitgeist of the, that era. Yeah. So this is a genre that kind of reflects our concerns and our fears, kind of our priorities also as a, as a, as a group, as a culture. Yeah. And right? we can be very imaginative about it. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. As someone growing up in the, the 70s and 80s, kind of that, uh, that apocalypse was always looming, and now we we have more of a uh, of a global um, view of things. Um, Alice, what uh, what draws you? What br- brings you into the genre? Well, I find it very relaxing. Wait, um, what? <laughs> <laughs> I I find it very relaxing because if you think about maintaining our houses, maintaining our roads, maintaining our cars, maintaining our relationships, um, you know, our social structures are very complicated. Uh, Modern life takes a lot. It's stressful. And if it's the end of the world, that all sort of falls away. Um, And often in these books, you get to a point where you're unplugged. um, You're back to nature. You know, it's not as you would want it to be necessarily, but you do get to that unplugged place. Um, and I, I just love that. Sometimes it's very beautiful. So it strips everything away to mm. its kind of most basic mm. core essence. Mm. That's a great way of introducing things. Um, go ahead and grant, let's go ahead and get started. What is the first book that you wanted to talk about today? So something that is probably a go-to post-apocalyptic scenario would be The Road from Cormac McCarthy. Um, It's not talked about what happened, but basically it's like society has ended. Um, The world is very dead, very gray, very bleak. Um, It's a father and his son making their way to safety, what they believe, um, in a coast. And it's just this bleak, bleak look at what the future holds as Alice puts just that instead of worrying about the future on like in a month or two from now they're worried about day-to-day survival they're what, worried about what what's around that corner sure. because it could kill them yes and this is written by Cormac McCarthy and he won the who passed away recently back mm-hmm. in uh, in June sadly so if you've never read Cormac McCarthy this is an excellent uh, way of getting into it it won the Pulitzer it was one of Oprah's uh, big uh, book groups so, uh, selections so this is a even though this is a bleak novel this is a majestic kind of American classic. Yes, it's just a very much a good view of what what would life be like if you're trying to just focus on the day to day. 
Yeah. And the mm-hmm. things when things are so so dark and so mm-hmm. bleak, even the smallest glimpse of hope mm-hmm. means the world. And yes. the, the connection between these two characters really yes. really brings this out. The father mm-hmm. is trying to uh, keep that hope alive in his son, and mm-hmm. it's kind of the focus of the book throughout the world. As he, the son, looks on with these innocent eyes in the world, but the father is just like no. trying to kind of maintain it and yeah. trying to to, to he, he has the juggle both the reality and keeping his son alive. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's uh, let's changing tracks a little bit, going from the road. What's the next book that you wanted to talk about today? So a complete turn would be the Max Brooks World War Z. It's a zombie apocalyptic scenario book. Yes. Um, it's a very very much like what it says in the tin. Um, it's a very kind of a podcast style. Um, shout out to that, um, where it's a slice of life um, going from before the events. Um, and it just jumps to as the author is trying to capture the, uh, the moment, um, goes from before to uh, characters during and what's happening and then the aftermath and how the society has changed. So the book doesn't have like one continuous through line, but it has it, it, it shows the apocalypse through different characters, different points of view th- throughout the process. Yeah, yeah it's pretty much uh, like it's the it's the author quote unquote um interviewing people and having them what was life before the apocalypse mm-hmm. uh, and then like he was interviewing a soldier during the uh, the zombie apocalypse and then interviewing people and how they've adapted to this world that now has this new uh, and changed uh, outlook. And in, in kind of uh, kind of to contrast with The Road, this is very kind of exciting and kind of a little bit more action-packed than The uh, the Road. Very much so. Like, The Road is focused on that just like this one, like, you know, the father and his son. The, the, the World War Z is more about here's here's what's happening, here's or what happened, mm-hmm. and how uh, people lived or didn't live through it. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, Alice, switching gears here, tell us about one of the books that you really wanted to talk about today. So um, my first book is Trashlands by Alison Stein. Um, And this is, I I just loved it because of the outrageous setting. It's set in a place called Scrapalachia, which is Appalachia, set a few years in the future, completely filled with plastic trash. Okay. Um, And the characters make their living not by mining coal, but by dragging a river for recycled or or plastic that is recyclable that can be reused Mm -hmm. um they there's some found family there's a group of people that's living together in a automotive graveyard um they shelter in the old buses and the cars and um there's also, you know, it, society as we know it has broken down probably quite some time ago. Um, and when that happens, there's some exploitation of women and children. Um, but then there's also a supportive group of people to, to get And they're the ones so. that are, and the main character is a, uh, a woman who lives in this. And she also tr- does art, I believe. It, she does art. She, she does some, some art in nearby woods, some installations. So it's, it's kind of finding it, meaning, finding in, meaning in something that you know doesn't have the meaning set and provided. She has to make that. Sure, she has to make mm-hmm. find that connections with mm-hmm. uh, with the the child that she wants to rescue and the art that she wants to make in this kind of uh, blasted um, world that she lives in. Right. Yeah. And the uh, the book itself sounds like it's very character driven. So not only do you do you have to live in this apocalypse, but you get to know these people you, and are connected to them. You do, yeah. You, you it's it. The people are are what matter the most here, for for sure. Absolutely, that's yeah. what makes the makes stories like these 
um, rela- relatable, no matter mm-hmm. who you are, is that if you get connected with these characters, you take that journey with them. Mm-hmm. So it's like you said, Alice, where when society, uh, these post-apocalyptic scenarios where society ends, how instead of worrying about the future, uh, you have to worry about the now. But it's always the people. People are what matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this definitely sounds like a good uh, kind of a book group, a very uh, discussable uh, type of book, too. I, I definitely think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, and another book along those lines, um, that other kind of uh, post-apocalyptic yet very readable and very relatable uh, with lots of – tell us about that one. Uh, yeah. The next one is The Light Pirate by Lily Brooks Dalton. Yeah, I've heard a lot of really good things about this Yeah, one. it's amazing. So this is this is the author's second book. The first one, Good Morning Midnight, um, was a slow-burning, character-driven literary version of the end of the world set in the Arctic. Um, and I feel like somebody said to this author, hey, we love your first book. Could you pick up the pace a little bit for the second one? Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> and this is what you get. So... Um, This is set in coastal Florida, um, hit hard by just terrible, terrible weather that's increasingly bad to the point where life as we know it is no longer sustainable there. Um, And the, the first third of the book, I would say, is a just a hurricane survival narrative um it's edge of your seat you know could Mm -hmm. not put it down um and then the book shifts into something different um which I'm not going to say too much about because I don't want to spoil sure (laughs) sure um but it it becomes very beautiful as well uh, as was the first book but not so slow yeah Yeah. and this is there's a little bit of magical realism in this one as well. there is there's a there's a magical element or an unexplained element there's also a lot of um, emphasis on science Mm -hmm. and the the possible connections between that unexplained unknown what it is element and you know studying the world mm-hmm. and and again having that connection to a community that's struggling to live through this and get through this experience right and and community is very much redefined as well um, based on based on new you know, new conditions. Absolutely. That one, again, was The Light Pirate by uh, Lily Brooks Dalton. Mm-hmm. And uh, Grant, let's get back to you. What is the next book on your list? So I have one from our local, local, dang it. I have one from an author, Brandon Sanderson. Um, ah, yes. And it's called Steelheart. It's yeah. his Reckoner trilogy. Um, Tell it, us about this one. It is pretty much a scenario of what would happen if random people got superpowers kind of scenario. Think so, like The Boys, but more for teen. Okay. Um, and it's set where the main author it's, happens during the calamity. That's when everyone gets their powers. Um, his father is killed, and he sets out to get vengeance on Steelheart. Okay, so the Steelheart is kind of like the main, most powerful person in this world and is not using his powers for good. And it's a complete breakdown of society as generally these people get like superpowers like uh, pointing at someone and they die or just like invisibility, anything like these random powers. And it just can't, like they can't be stopped. So the uh, author has to go through how and and like how to checkmate them as he puts them. Sure. Um, And it's just an enjoyable look at how Brandon Sanders and crafted this world um, and brought in other characters to help um, the the main character on his journey. And like pretty much it's just a fun, like 
romp through a superhero-filled uh, post-apocalyptic. And this scenario. one would be good for uh, for a teen audience as well, yes. right? Not to, just for adults. Yeah, it, and or adults can enjoy it too, but mm-hmm. it's it is in our teen section. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Tell us an, about another book that has that youthful connection that's not just for adults. So the other one would be The City of Ember by Janine Duprau. Ooh, yeah. Yes. Um, it is set um, in a post-apocalyptic world, but that's not mainly the focus. The focus mm-hmm. is on like the builders have made uh, a city of ember uh, a deep set in a cave with the idea that these people would go into the city to survive whatever apocalypse and then come out. Mm-hmm. However, it's really early in the book is shown that like the instructions on how to get out is lost. Um, and then suddenly, like it's slowly but surely that they're running out of supplies, lights and everything. And the, the city yeah. itself is kind of falling apart around them. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of a it's very interesting how like uh, the main characters are two kids and they have to they live in this world and they don't know anything outside of it um, and they know something's wrong like the lights are going out uh, they're running out of light bulbs uh, very play on that mm-hmm. um, and the adults aren't doing anything <laughs> like the adults are kind of sticking their heads in the sand or ignoring it or believing it oh someone's going to save us but we'll just keep living on and so they have to keep going on so the kids on. are the ones that are going yeah. to have to you know find yeah. a way out and they, find a way through this yeah the kids are the ones who are seemingly the only ones working towards this goal of saving the city yeah and this is part of a trilogy as you said yes uh, and, oh no, and it is something that's extremely readable. I read this one um, a, a, several years ago and was really taken by it. Yeah, even though it's in that Jade series, I, I enjoyed it still as an adult reading it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also keeping with that theme of the children um, taking that, uh, taking that, uh, the, taking that uh, apocalypse and then trying to kind of fix it, even with the failure of the adults. Alice, what's the next book that you wanted to talk about? Uh, the next book is a children's Bible by Lydia Millet. And this is just a strange, strange book in which the children have to take charge because the parents are partying in a rented mansion that's falling down. Um, They are drinking, you know, they're doing all sorts of things that make them inaccessible and uninterested in what's going on around them and with their children. Um, And so this is, you know, seen through through the eyes of a group of teens and younger children um, who... Um, they have to figure out what to eat. They have to figure out how to shelter while this apocalypse is happening. Um, they, the main character is an older teen um, who is parenting her younger brother, um, and so that's a big concern. Um, they, the, he, he eventually gets hold of an illustrated children's Bible, and he becomes obsessed with it, and they gradually start to enact scenes um, in quite a funny way. So it's a sad book because the apocalypse is happening. Human life is probably not going to go on, and everyone just sort of knows that. Um, but then it's also very funny um, all the way through. And I think that's partly what makes it so strange. I think this would be a, a great book to talk about in a book group um, because of those those elements of you know, things, incongruity, I guess. Yeah, and the yeah. kids are just kind of drawing these parallels from a from a book that they don't necessarily really understand, right. trying to find right. meaning in this world that has kind of been abandoned to them. Right, and 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 part of why I love this so much is just the mood of, of complete abandon and, you know, just completely letting go of, of everything that you would expect childhood to be mm-hmm. um, and just sort of 
rewriting um, in a, really a spectacular way. Okay. If the adults yeah. are not going to save us, we will have to do it. They are not yeah. going to do anything. <laughs> yes, and very much like uh, Jean Duprow, yeah, the kids mm-hmm. are the ones that are going to have to find the meaning and uh, and mm-hmm. save and save themselves, mm-hmm. if not the world. There. Um, what's the next book on your list that you wanted to talk to us about? Um, it's Moon of the Crusted Snow by Wab- Wabgeshig Rice. Um, this is different in feeling because it's a cold apocalypse. Um, it's set in an Anishinaabe community in northern Ontario, and the author is originally from uh, Wasuxing First Nation. Um, what happens up here, it's late autumn, and the electricity just stops. Um, and all communications from the rest of the world, you know, television, radio, everything just goes away as though everyone else in the world is just gone. And um, the community members don't know why. Um, the interesting thing about it is that a time before electricity does exist in living memory for some of the, the members. Um, and so this is a community that that has some skill to meet the situation. Um, eventually, sort of straggling people start to come up from the south and they don't share the values of the community and are disruptive and this is this is problematic um it's an interesting take because most of the time when you think about you know post-apocalyptic you feel like civilization collapsing everything is a uh, is a disaster this is the focuses on a culture that was stretches from before that and has the tools a little bit better tools to handle Mm -hmm. it and uh, other folks coming to are coming to them for help right Right, and it gets yeah. that First Nations uh, perspective. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. I I really recommend this one, and it's a it's not a long book. It's a short book. Um, there might be a Wendigo. Okay, um, <laughs> sure. The end of the world is happening, so sure, why not a Wendigo? Yeah. <laughs> Well, Grant and Alice, thank you so much for for joining us here today. And uh, I would like to kind of close things out by talking about a book that's coming out Mm -hmm. soon that does fit within this genre. It's called The Land of Milk and Honey by C. Pam Zhang. And also just a reminder that all of these books um, are going to be listed on our website at jocolibrary.org slash uncovered. So for that and other um, lists of books that we've talked about. But anyway, this one, uh, Land of Milk and Honey, honey, it comes out next month. It is about in a apocalypse where um, it's an environmental apocalypse where smog and environmental uh, damage is kind of coating the earth. Uh, A billionaire has kind of created a a mountaintop compound where he's, gonna, he's able to, him and some scientists are able to keep the, the apocalypse kind of at bay and invites a handful of people, uh, including this chef, who, um, who uh, can kind of cook uh, these, these meals that are thought lost because you know, plants won't grow um, in uh, other areas of the world. So she kind of comes to this uh, place and she uh, is kind of introduced by the billionaire's daughter who kind of introduces the concept of things may not be what they seem in this kind of, uh, uh, kind of Elon Musk style compound that's going on. The the premise of the book is very um, kind of a, kind of a post apocalyptic, but the writing is very sensual and very lush. As the author describes the lost art of the the senses of eating, of of touching, and of connection, uh, and it is really uh, kind of a kind of a sensual book in that way. That one's again the Land of Milk and Honey by C. Pam Zhang. Hope you check that out, and as well as the other books that we've talked about today. 
Sounds like something yeah. like it's like what we take for granted kind of situation. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. The uh, the author she wrote a her first. This is her second book. The first one was a historical fiction novel set in Vietnam, which is very well received. This one hopefully it should be her breakout novel. Mm-hmm. Alice Grant, thank you so much. You definitely thank gave you. us some uh, some things to put on our reading list. Thank you for having us. So a big thank you goes out to Greg, Alice, and Grant. Once again, you can find their recommendations and a list of the links to information about... National Preparedness Month! In our show notes. Okay, and so, hey, I'm back from the bunker. <laughs> I checked the elevator. Did you know there's an elevator? I took all those stairs. Right. <laughs> so I, we hate to say it, but we're coming down to the last four episodes of the season. What? Yeah. So next up is Libraria versus Biblioteca. And, and one of our guests, uh, Herman, um, he is leaving us, and he is from the Latino services community. And uh, he has uh, shared some videos with me. And it's pretty cool because you can turn on the closed captions and have them translated into English. Mm-hmm. But it's fascinating because there's a term, and I've got a well, well, we'll talk to him about it in this episode. But when a word looks like a word, so there's a couple different words that people use associated with libraries. Mm-hmm. So um, in Spanish, you have libraria, which looks like the word library, right. but it doesn't mean that. It means bookshop. Okay. Um, and then there's biblioteca, which we use in all of our publications. But the interesting thing is, depending on where you're immigrating from, which Latin American country, your perception of what a library is and what it can do for you will um, vary wildly hmm. because some places don't have libraries at all. Some uh, are basing, you know, their experience with their library in their particular country, but they don't realize that the libraries here operate very differently. And so there's a lot of resources that we're hoping we can make more well-known to the Latino community. And so we're going to bring in our friends from the Latino Services Committee, and it's going to be a great episode. Yeah. That's all I got to say about that. topics, you might just be interested in these recommendations from our collection. First, Charles' choices. And today I have two for you. So the first one is going to be The Passage by Justin Cronin, and that is the first book of a trilogy. Uh, I think my favorite out of the trilogy, though, was that first book, and it is a post-apocalyptic virus genetic mutation type story um, that takes a lot of its the the infected people have a lot in common with mythological vampires so it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic vampire story which is was 
I don't know. I thought the world building in that one was great. So if you like cool. big sweeping stories, it's a it's a thick book. Takes a while to read, but it's worth it if you like those epic tales. All right. My second one, a little bit on the lighter side, is called Hollow Kingdom by Kira Jane Buxton. And this one, it is told from the perspective of a pet crow. And it's a zombie apocalypse. And... The the crow is a foul-mouthed, sarcastic crow who lives in a house with the human that he adores uh, and the big dumb dog named Dennis. So uh, it's just kind of about how once the humans start transforming and changing into zombies, how do the animals survive? <laughs> what happens to the animals after the humans aren't there to take care of them? Probably just fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next, it's a Dave's double feature. Uh, We invite you to visit the streaming video section of our e-library. That's jocolibrary.org slash e-library. And please check out IndieFlix. You can stream stream classic and contemporary features, award-winning shorts, film festival favorites, uh, series and documentaries from the United States and around the world. There you will find a 14-minute drama slash science fiction film from 2022 called Riley. So it's described as the world is burning. Sun, wind, and dust dominate the surface. Life underground is the new normal. Returning home to their basement sanctuary, nocturnal scavengers Riley and her father, Dutch, play their favorite game, What's for Dinner?, with an unopened, beat-up tin can. This is their daily ritual of survival, finding the smallest moments of light in a bleak, dystopian future until an unexpected visitor surprises them. And in Canopy, under one of our favorite uh, categories, The Great Courses, you can learn all about great utopian and dystopian works of literature. So once again, a full list of our book report recommendations can be found on our webpage, jocolibrary.org slash uncovered. Joko Library Uncovered is a production of Johnson County Library and is recorded at the Central Resource Library in Overland Park, Kansas. We would love to read your thoughtful emails at uncovered at jocolibrary.org. Join our online conversation at facebook.com slash jocolibrary. Look for us on Twitter at jocolibrary. Our website is jocolibrary.org. Subscribe to Joko Library Uncovered through your favorite podcatcher or go to jocolibrary.podbean.com. Thanks for listening and come back in two weeks for more Joko Library Uncovered. Dave! Dave! What? I'm here! Dave! I'm down in the bunker!